Welcome to Coming Out of the Spiritual Closet with your host, me, Brittany Wittig. Join me every week to explore and demystify the world of modern spirituality. I am so looking forward to sharing this week's episode with you. It is one of the most raw, vulnerable, and important episodes I've ever published. So this week, I brought back one of our most popular guests, Priestess Francesca. Priestess Francesca is an erotic shepherdess, a divine dominatrix, and a temple priestess. Her first episode aired March 5th and was called Erotic Energy is Soul Aligning Medicine. If you haven't heard that episode, you may want to check it out before you listen to today's conversation. So today, Priestess Francesca and I go deep into the topic of discernment, safety, and integrity in erotic energy. And the way that we did this was by sharing several Instagram posts and trends on Instagram that I've noticed feel icky to me. And Priestess Francesca basically goes through these trends and these posts one by one and explains why they're problematic, why they don't feel good, why my discernment bells were going off like crazy when I saw these. We're definitely pushing the envelope with this conversation, but I'm here for it. I'm incredibly grateful to Priestess Francesca for being brave enough to come on the show and share what she shared today. It's huge, it's powerful, and I'm so looking forward to getting feedback from my audience about this episode. So without further ado, here is Priestess Francesca. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you for joining me this week. I'm really excited for this episode because Priestess Francesca is back on the show and we are going to be discussing a topic that feels so important to me and that I'm so thrilled to learn about from Priestess Francesca. We're going to be talking about discernment, safety, and integrity in erotic energy. And this is going to be juicy. So really looking forward to it. Um, Francesca, thank you so much for returning to the show. You have been one of my most requested guests to come back on. So I know the audience is going to be thrilled to have you here. Thank you so much for having me back. I'm literally like that emoji on your phone with all the hearts around the face right now. That's how I feel. I just, I have fully embodied that emoji right now. <laughs> she totally has. <laughs> I'm so happy you're here. I am really hoping to learn more about something that has kind of been sticky for me in the spiritual sexual healing space. So I know that I'm someone who needs to do more healing in that area. I, I know that in my gut, my body has told me that, but I find that when I go into the online spiritual space, so often my discernment kicks in and I feel almost like revulsion to some of the sexual healing posts and sexual healing, I'm using air quotes here. Some of the sexual healing posts that I see on Instagram, they just, 
they don't feel right. And I can't quite put my finger on why, because of course I don't have a lot of knowledge in this area. So I would love to have you shed some light on that for us today. And I do have some examples. Yes. I would like to open up this dialogue in one applauding you for recognizing the repulsion and just listening to it. So a number one, this conversation is going to give some tangible examples and we're going to break those down so that everyone can have like a trained ear and say, oh, this is why it feels kind of icky. And if you've heard other shows of mine, I'm a really big advocate in cultivating that repulsion and discernment because oppression will repackage itself over and over again. And like the words that the spiritual movement will use will change. And so we're going to break down these examples to give some 3D awareness and figuring out like your internal languaging around why something feels, how something feels gross in your body is probably the biggest lesson that I also want to just preface with of, yeah, this also will change. Like the realm of sexuality will change the words that we use to talk about healing through sexuality or sex quote unquote sexual healing. Like those words will shift as culture shifts and they can be weaponized and then used to harm. So this conversation I'm pretty passionate about because I want it to be rooted in a harm reduction lens. I want this conversation to hopefully get to listeners such that they enter into circles that feel really good and safe and contained for them so that they can do this deep work. And I'll give a little story about myself and like why I feel like it's my torch to bear in this conversation is that I have regularly been the person to be like, this feels like bullshit. I don't really get why, but like hashtag I'm out. <laughs> and so the first <laughs> the first time that ever really, really happened to me, I was in high school and um it was a religious teaching that was talking about just certain conservative um ideologies. Mm. And I grilled the hell out of the teacher and I was like, I know this isn't good. And I got sent down to the principal's office. <laughs> but it's always been in my nature to critically think about these things and use that critical thinking to refine down into, oh, this is why this isn't okay. This is why. This is the distortion of the eternal truth that is actually being weaponized against somebody to oppress them. And so we're going to have a really big conversation. I feel the weight of importance and I hope that we get to do it justice here. Oh, okay. I'm so <laughs> grateful that we're going to do this and that you're here to do this. So I think I'll just start by sharing an example of something that I've seen that felt immediately bad. 
And I have some idea about why it felt bad, but it's surprising to me how like, yeah, repulsed I felt by this language. So I saw a post that said, um, your orgasm is a mini version of you. And then there was explanation about if you orgasm this way, this is how you are in life. And for me, immediately, that was like, like I'm making like a <laughs> moving backwards motion. Immediately, it was like, ugh. And it's interesting because I think some of that for me, there's multiple things going on here. Um, since I had cancer and went through radiation treatment in my pelvic area, I don't orgasm the way that I used to. And there was this immediate like, wait, so because I survived cancer, like I, I now am forever defective because my orgasm is different than it used to be. This was like an immediate, like, ew, that doesn't resonate at all. And I know that there are a million reasons why people, especially women may find orgasm challenging. Yeah. So what, what do you think about that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I want to first honor your recognition that your life circumstances shifted your sexual expression. And what this post has said is that something about your lived experiences and how your sex now expresses is wronged. The word that I use is pathologized. So this entire post that goes through, if you come too fast, then you aren't willing to go deep or if, <laughs> right, there was just like a bunch of these examples of pathologizing someone's sexual expression. At the core of this post, it is saying your natural expression has something inherently wrong with it that must be fixed. Something about your natural expression must be fixed. Right. Yeah. I got chills because this doesn't just happen in erotic energy spaces or sexual spaces. This narrative of pathologizing your natural expression is all over the New Age spiritual movement. Yes. And it is nothing short of a very similar movement like Big Pharma does, where Big Pharma says, there is something wrong with you and you have to fix it. And hashtag, we have a pill for that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> So, so I want us just noticing that whatever message is coming at you saying, is it, are they saying that something is wrong with me? Are they saying that something is wrong with me in my natural expression that needs to be fixed? And that is a red flag that you might want to look deeper into. Mm. The piece that's distorted, and I use the words ripe and unripe. And so there's part of this that I can feel, oh, this is the eternal truth. 
that maybe they touched into in their own sexual expression, but it hasn't fully ripened on their own vine yet. And this is the narrative that's coming out right now. The eternal truth that I feel they're touching, they're tempting to touch into is the authenticity of which you do one thing is the level of authenticity that you do all things. So I have a phrase on my website that how you sex is how you live and how you live is how you sex, right? The underneath of that, like when you read what's actually on my website, I'm talking about, are you living in coherency? Do you speak your truth? Do you uh, authentically go after your desires? Do you courageously step forward into unknown terrain? And so if you do those things in your sexual expression, then usually what's happening is you're, you're being taught how to do that in all of creation, in all of your life's journey. Yeah. That is what is being really distorted here. And it's saying, and I want to take also like a little bit of a pause. What I notice happen, especially in the realm of sexuality is Someone has an experience that leads them to a truth for themselves. Oh, how I orgasm just revealed something about how I am in all of life. And I want to then shift that. I want to be deeper with my orgasm. And what happens is then they turn their subjective experiencing into this broad brush eternal truth and they will interpolate and then project their experience onto everybody else's experience Mm. my sense is that's exactly what happened with this person this person had one revelatory moment and then interpolated that revelatory moment into every other kind of expression of orgasm and said then this must be the eternal truth that is happening across the board for everybody yeah Eh. No, (laughs) nope. (laughs) Right. And I feel like, I feel like in what you just said, that's just wisdom that goes across the board. I hope anyone listening that has a spiritual platform is listening to this because that doesn't just apply to sexual experience people do that all the time with their individual experience in the spiritual new age world. Yeah. What really taught me this was in all of my work with clients. So if you listen to the first podcast, then you know I'm a sex worker and a professional dominatrix. When I had one client desire and seek to experience something maybe in the BDSM or kink world, they had a revelation around what that was revealing to them. That authentic expression was here to reveal something deeper about what was going on on the inside. But if I said that everyone who desires to be pegged has this as a core wound and then pegging, (laughs) right, automatically means this is what you're healing on the inside, it would be wildly inaccurate. And so the vast experience that I've had between, and especially when you go into these darker realms of eroticism, there is, I would say in my 
first venture into this work, there was a desire that I had to understand like, okay, what is actually happening here? I feel the depth of this experience and to encapsulate it and make it neat and tidy so that I understood it. And the truth is every time I got smacked with a very different reality from the people that I was working with, it's like, there is no neat and tidy. There is just surrendering to what is being revealed to you. The eternal truth, though, is that your eroticism will reveal something to you. You just have no fucking clue what it's going to be. Mm. Oh, that's so that's so powerful. I love I love that. And it's it's so true. I think that's like the lesson that every seeker hopefully eventually learns is that, yeah, there is no neat and tidy. There is no there's, there's not, you're not going to be able to put these things into a clean little box. You know, when it comes to spiritual understanding, it's mostly what you don't know. <laughs> Knowing what you don't know is a big part of it. Yeah. At this root with this post is a real desire to understand something, which comes from understandably our academic intellectualization of all things mental health, all things healing, right? Yeah. This happens a lot when I'm talking about, you know, quote, attachment style theory with my clients because I am a sexologist and the widespread narration around attachment theory has become just yet another way for someone to say something's wrong with me that I need to fix. I need to fix my secure attach or my insecure attach become secure. I need to fix it. I need to fix it. All these behaviors of mine point to the fact that I'm not secure attached. And it's like, or how about you just have a need for connection, right? Would we pathologize someone who's been in the desert for 40 days and 40 nights without water. And when they finally get to a, a fountain, we would judge the amount that they desire to drink. Right. No, wow. right. We would never be like, Oh, you're, you're not secure enough. You should be able to figure out how much water you should be drinking. You should be able to curb that desire. It's like, there's something wrong with you. It, it's insane what we have done to people and it is insane when you look at it through the lens of being thirsty and finally be given being given water, you would never call that in, insane. But here we are talking about human connection through that very similar lens. So stop pathologizing yourself. There's nothing wrong with anything in your sexual expression. Trust that it will reveal something to you, but you have no idea what it's going to reveal for you for somebody else wow oh my gosh already I feel like my mind is blown because that <laughs> that shifts that shifts so much for me like already thank you um yeah that thank you thank you for this conversation Brittany <laughs> I'm going to be integrating what you just explained for a little while um that's amazing thank you so much so Okay. So that there's that post. I have more. <laughs> Let's do it. <laughs> so another post, and this one is a little more vague for me. It's hard for me to like that, that post I just explained, it was very easy for me to pinpoint what, at least a bit of what felt so icky. This next one, it's a little harder for me to understand. So the next post is, um, like a very, um, 
traditionally put together white woman speaking on a very well curated kind of platform podcast about sex magic, M-A-G-I-C-K. And um, she's talking about how you can use it to manifest what you want. And I think she might even refer to like manifesting like things like money and that sort of thing. And I can't, again, I can't put my finger on it. I would love to know what your thoughts are on this post because this whole, I've noticed the sex magic thing often feels this way to me. And I don't know why it is because on one level, it makes sense to me that that would be possible, but it just often feels icky in the way it's presented. Again, great discernment. It's gross. (laughs) When I see posts around sex magic, I'm regularly puking in my mouth. Um, So I'm really excited to have this like demystification of why it can be problematic and also harmful. And I'll talk about like, why is this narrative potentially harmful for people other than the massive distortion of truth? So going off of this like neat and tidy kind of energy, do you notice how in that post there's a We'll figure out what you want and then bring it to your sex and then turn yourself on and then put it all through every channel. And then at the peak of pleasure, throw your desire up with your orgasm so that you manifest it. Yeah. Okay. This linear progression is a way is the first, the first problem with it is it is trying to make very neat and tidy a very chaotic, haphazard, nonlinear process. Right. So sex magic, yes. I I don't always resonate with the word magic, but I'll call it like erotic alchemy. Erotic alchemy is certainly powerful, but it does not fit into this neat and tidy box, right? That is this colonial kind of oppression that is inherently saying, I know more than nature. I know more than how I ought to be authentically expressing. And so I will overpower my natural expression. I will overpower my destiny to call in what I believe I should be having in this lifetime. Ooh, whoa. Oh my gosh. I just have to take a second with what you just said. Because it resonates like so intensely. Francesca, wow. It resonates so intensely and it goes so far beyond just sex magic. Wow. Okay. Okay. Thank you. Okay. So the big distortions with sex magic is one saying it doesn't exist. And anyone who's listening to this podcast is probably not in that camp The other distortion is this magical thinking, magical thinking. And it's when you use your personal power, the erotic power, the erotic fire to prop up this fantasy and give it life and attempting to give it life, right? But that's not, it's not true. Like what is true is just true. I'm going to say that a different way because I recognize I got a little ethereal. (laughs) It's like 
the desire to control your outcome versus allowing for the outcome to reveal itself. Mm. So I like to use the analogy of the tree here. The tree does not wake up in the morning and say, I really want to bloom a flower today. So I am going to think my way and use all of my tree energy to push and bloom this flower. And then when I throw up all of this manifestation energy, I'm going to bloom, right? A tree just pays attention to what is true and then blooms effortlessly. So it pays attention to the ambient temperature. It pays attention to the sun. It pays attention to how its roots feel in the earth. It pays attention to the water that's in the soil. And then from all of these sensations, moves the nutrients, turns the sun into yummy sugars, like moves everything around. And then the bloom just happens. You don't have to try. There's an effortlessness around it. And so magic, alchemy, really at its core is aligning yourself with authentic expression, the true nature of your being, of your soul, of your destiny. It's about aligning to it. And I'm doing this thing with my hands, kind of like bring both hands together in a pillar. It's like you're aligning with your destiny, not attempting to control your destiny. That's the difference here. Oh, wow. This is just, this is amazing. I'm making the mind blowing motion emoji motion with my head. <laughs> wow. 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 I, I mean, I'm going to have so much to think about after this interview. I mean, this speaks to the entire new age obsession with manifestation and how that's done and how it's so funny because yeah how that that also just has never felt quite right and I haven't been able to figure it out like because there have been pieces of it that seem to work for me but at some point I kind of just abandoned the whole idea because it just didn't feel right and this is a, really this is like the sex magic seems to be the like the sexual branch of that new age obsession with manifestation yes yes the spell casting and this is that's what this post really was it was talking about spell casting using your sexual energy as the force to cast the spell spell casting can go awry because you're applying your will force to a portrait of what you think and the truth is you don't know you don't know where your life is going you don't know what your creations are really going to be you don't know and so i used i had one teacher who was, I don't study under them anymore. And they used to say, magic is the application of your will force so that situations, people, and circumstances bend to your will, to your desires. And there's a lot of shadow in that. 
There's a lot of shadow in that statement. And that statement is filled with a distorted savior complex. It's a masked savior complex. I know more than X, Y, and Z. And so therefore, I'm going to use my power to influence a situation. Wow. Yeah. Okay. That is big. That's big. And I 100% resonates. I mean, completely. And I'm seeing right away in my mind's eye, I'm seeing ways that I can lean into this and let go of some of the ways that I have been trying to control my reality without true trust for nature, the universe. Mm. What often happens in in this manifestation, sex magic thing, the harmful piece of it, and we'll go back to like, there must be something wrong with me. Say you have a goal, a financial goal, a a goal for lovership, whatever you, you do, you have a genuine desire. And so you do this ritual and you bring that desire to your sex magic and then nothing happens. What the narrative is going to say is you didn't tap into your erotic power enough. You didn't throw it up strongly in your orgasm. Your orgasm didn't go deep enough for the universe to hear you. (laughs) There's just a laundry list of other pathological things that are going to be projected onto you and at its core is saying you're not good enough you didn't do it right right so what if you're in like the budding season of a new thing that you're creating and you say oh, i want a ten thousand dollar month oh, this is what those manifestation money marketing people are gonna talk like okay well you just bring it to your meditation manifest it become the magnetic field for all this money but like That's not the time that the fruit is supposed to be blooming on your tree. That's not what's happening here. You're going to internalize that most likely that you did something wrong. There's something wrong with your creations, et cetera. So there's a rewilding that is being called for within erotic alchemy. And I have, I learned this from a teacher that I am still studying under, and I will name her. Her name is Jumana. She, I got this, like these four words from her, and they kind of revolutionized the way that I approach my alchemy now. And the first is listen. So in the example of the tree, I'm paying attention to the sun, to the wind, to the water, and then follow it. I follow my desires in this Instagram post, remember she said like, it's using your pleasure to manifest. Okay. We're going to reframe that to be rooted in eternal truth. Now (laughs) we are going to follow our pleasure. We are going to follow what feels good. And in the example of the tree, if the roots are growing down and all of a sudden it hits concrete, does the root say, I must force this to go this way? No. It follows what feels good and just moves. It just moves. When there's an abundance of water in the soil, it feels good to drink all of that in. When there's warm sun, it feels good to receive all that. Listen, then follow. Follow your pleasure. Follow what feels good, what lights you up. The third one, commune. Actually connect with what you are receiving as you follow 
all that you hear. Commune with it, become one with it. And then from that place of communion, you fully see what is next for you, what the next step is, what's oh, what's true for me now. That's when you command, oh, okay, this is the next action for me. I will go do that now. That's where the magic really unfolds, this continuous listening, following, communing, and then commanding. And then life becomes this magical miracle over and over and over again. And you're like, holy, holy shit. It just keeps presenting itself. And I don't have to try so hard. But easier said than done. But that's the eternal truth that this woman is attempting to name. But it's just not ripe in her yet. Great. Oh, my goodness. I have chills all over. I feel like I can feel like the the truth, the capital T truth of what you're sharing here. It's really beautiful. Thank you. Um, what I wrote down and I want to say is that you are the magic. You serve a greater magic. Mm. And I think that's what has kept me anchored through all of the external narrative out there to say, what am I serving? What am I in service to? What greater magic is coming into my vessel? Am I an instrument for? I am magic, but I'm serving a greater magic. And that greater magic is moving through me. I am not dictating that magic. Right, right. Oh my gosh. I love it. And it's like, it's kind of like next level. It's next level surrender. And it's also a next level understanding that it's, it's like our, our ego that is making decisions about the exact specific thing that we want to make happen. And so there's this, like you said, the tree is not like, oh, there's concrete and so we need to do everything we can to bust through that concrete. That's not how it works. But often that's like how our our human brain wants to do things, which I mean, it's just, this is just brilliant. Thank you. <laughs> I'm like, like just contemplating out loud. Um, but this is going, this is going to, this conversation is going to change the way I interact with my intuition and with mm. nature so much. And I already feel like I have a pretty strong connection there. This is, I mean, this is really going to help me so much. And so I know it's going to help everyone listening. This is powerful mm. stuff. Mm-hmm. In the realm of sexuality, because we talked pretty like broad yeah. about magic. I just want to touch into, okay, then in the realm of sexuality, you're st- still kind of following these pillars of surrender, of listening, following, communing, and then commanding, and how it has showed up for me, and often for my clients, how I'm reframing the work that we're doing in the healing arts of the erotic, is listening to our desires, 
just listening to what turns you on, what makes you feel yummy, what feels pleasurable, period, without any pathologizing around it, regardless of how fast you come, regardless of whether you come or not, regardless of how dark it is, no pathologizing, just listen. And then following it, actually being in the flow with that desire, okay? This is my fantasy. I'm going to follow it. I'm going to explore it. And truly becoming one with that desire, communing with the expression, communing with, if you're playing in partnership, communing with the energy that you're exchanging with. And on the other side of sexual transformational sexual experiences, which I want to say, Every sexual experience has potential to be transformational if you are moving from a listen, follow, and commune perspective. On the other side of it, it's usually very clear, like, oh, oh, this is what I've been holding on to. Oh, this is what's this is what's meant to bloom next. Oh, this is the leaf that's supposed to shed now. Oh, this is the behavior I have outgrown, right? But there's no rush in that revelation. It just comes after you listen, follow, and commune. And then commanding feels natural. Oh, I'm just not going to do that thing anymore that I don't want to do. Oh, I'm just going to <laughs> oh, I'm I'm a person who likes to drink piss now. That's what gets me off. Great. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. That in itself is also really mind opening. Um, this idea of when we're zooming in again, zooming back into the sexual erotic energy. Yeah, just listening to what turns us on without judgment. I mean, I feel like that alone just that step alone is uh, um, probably a huge step forward for a lot of people. Yeah. Yes, it is. That is revolutionary. And that is really following your pleasure and letting your pleasure quote, quote, manifest. If you want to use the word manifest, like just following your pleasure without judgment, right? The root of the tree doesn't say, oh, it feels better to make a left turn than a right turn over here so i'm a, but i must be a piece of shit of a tree because i don't want to go left right <laughs> right oh it's so true oh my yeah goodness. wow <laughs> wow so the next the next thing that i would love i this is a very this is kind of broad but tantra it's so funny before I invited you on to the first episode we did together, I had been wanting to bring on someone to speak about sexual healing, erotic energy. And I actually had a woman reach out to me who is a pretty big name from what I can tell in the Tantra community. And you know, I just, everything about it felt off. I kept sort of putting off the conversation about her coming on. I, I was like, why am I, why am I kind of avoiding this? And then I thought it was about me, but I actually did a deep dive through her stuff. And I was like, this just doesn't feel good. And I don't know why. And so I ended up just saying, I don't think it's a good fit. I'll wait till the right fit comes along. And then 
you came along and I had you on the show, but I would love to know Tantra in general, a lot. I've been told by many people, oh, you should get into Tantra. Tantra will help you heal. Um, but it hasn't, I haven't seen, I haven't seen anything where Tantra feels right or good to me. And I'm not sure why. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. And I need to own a little bit of my own shit too. A couple of years ago, I had tried on the title of, of Tantrika to help explain like what I was actually doing in sacred spaces with my clients. And I think it lasted like less than 90 days. Like I didn't even get one full season. I was like, mm, no, this, I don't know why it's not it. And I got, got rid of it. Um, and so now I use like sexual shepherdess feels better for me. Um, but also that just like listening of like, okay, I'm going to try this on because it's kind of what's alive in the culture right now. But it felt so icky and gross and I got rid of it. And then I really understood and discovered like, oh, this, this is why I went down my critical thinking rabbit hole and and brought up some pearls. And mm-hmm. so the harmful nature of the use of the word Tantra is on a continuum. Okay. There's not like, it's not all intentionally awful and it's not always like innocently harmful and so the the piece that I'm going to touch into in this part of the conversation is like where do some of the posts that you might see out there fall on this continuum okay so at best there are teachers humans in the healing arts space um those who have even like touched into these sacred sexual experiences and are searching for a word to describe what it is that they're doing. Okay. And in this modern culture, we kind of don't have a word to delineate between the sex that we know feels gross, like commodified, cheapened, um, porn informed and I do love lots of porn but like the really shit porn informed you know like yeah we don't have a word to separate and delineate between that expression of sex and the sex that we know is deep revelatory sacred and so the only word that this culture has to describe that differentiation is tantric sex In truth, though, Tantra is a religion. Tantra is a religion. And so the use of the word Tantra is, I just got chills, deeply at its core appropriation. Whoa. Okay. I didn't even realize Tantra was a religion. So, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) It's a, it is a religion. There are different sects, sects, not sex. Sorry. This is going to be hard on of Tantra as a religion. And it would be like saying, I 
pray every night. And so therefore my, I'm deepening into like a Christian ritual. I, I, there's just like a piece of it that feels ridiculous when you realize that you're taking one aspect of an ancient faith and then superimposing that onto this one expression of sexuality and saying that that's Tantra. But in truth, the religion as a whole is a deep walk of self-revelation, of destigmatization of authenticity. There's lots of, uh, I would say like very taboo out of the norm forms of initiation to go through Tantra. And so if you're interested at, of Tantra as a spiritual walk, great. Find the ancient teachings, find the people who are going to uphold, the, just like Christianity, they have almost like sacraments. You, know, you go through these this process of deepening into that faith. It is true that sexuality is not vilified in that religion. So I I just want to I want to name that and say most of what you hear, I would say 99.9% of what you hear in terms of like tantric sex is really just the only word we've given to sexuality that is present, alive, without conscription, not vilified. Yeah, wow. That is that's fascinating. Just even that right there sheds some light on what probably on like an intuitive level doesn't feel quite right when I'm reading about it. Yeah. Yeah. I I sense that with a lot of humans who are seeking to explore these realms, they just don't have a lot of options because the culture has said this is what you call this thing. But there's a, a real shadow in colonialism of going to ancient traditions, taking a little piece of it, and then extracting it for profit, fame, whatever. Yeah. And so as we move on the continuum to like the most harmful use of that word, it's used as like a titillating marketing strategy for things that are, have nothing to do with anything, actually. It's just now a marketing word. So some of the examples that we chatted about before even pressing the record button was like tantric speed dating was one of them. Yeah. Whoa. It's, that, that one, like I have a heaviness in my heart um, because the intentions of those spaces are seemingly pure but they're so far out of their root. You know, they're so ungrounded because of this use of the appropriation word. Yeah. Um, another one I've come across was like, there was a Tantra nightclub. What the fuck is that? Right? Yes, it's in Tulum, right? <laughs> <laughs> yep. 
Yeah. There was a tantric yacht week. Oh, oh Lord. So let, I, I wanted to name this continuum because there is a part of the community that is just lost on language. And this feels like the only language that they have been allowed to use. And then all the way on the other side of this continuum is really capitalistic marketing strategies that are playing into the deep desires and thirsts to actually be aligned with something bigger than, you know, drinking and partying, whatever. So if I go to a Tantra nightclub or a Tantra yacht week or a Tantra speed dating, then maybe I'm more conscious, grounded or whatever of a spiritual creature. And it's like, you're really tugging on people in a way that is just this like sizzly. That's what I feel. I'm like, oh, we're going to put Tantra. We're going to sizzle some Tantra on this marketing strategy. And then all of a sudden be able to charge double and (laughs) create, pull in the, the Tulum crowd or the, you know, that kind of a vibe of people who are just going to spend Boku dollars because it's marketed that way. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yep. Yeah. Wow. I totally, I mean, I totally see that as you point this out. I've really never thought much about it. So I'd love to like put an invitation out into the world. Some of the words that I've chosen to use um, through my own, like, okay, what am I actually doing here then? (laughs) Because I don't want to use that word Tantra. I don't want to use that word. Um, erotic mystic mystic does not is not tethered to one specific ancient religion uh that has felt really great for me and using the word erotic mystic also mm-hmm. narrows in on the sort of energy that i use in order to reach mystic states Sexual shepherdess, as opposed to tantrika, has felt really good for me. Uh, I am naming that I am guiding people (laughs) in the sexual terrain without appropriating that word. Um, Yeah, those are the one divine dominatrix, obviously, because I'm just like, yeah, I'm not just hitting anybody. (laughs) We're doing some like deep deep energy work here. Yes. Well, I mean, I love, I love just the invitation to, to get creative in describing, in describing this without, yeah, without using appropriated language. Yeah. Without using, without appropriating a religion. I mean, that's, yeah. Yeah. And those, and those terms are very clear. Like what, everything you just said, I mean, that's, that's very clear. It really indicates what you're doing. Yeah. I have noticed that people searching for Tantra have come and like kind of fallen on my doorstep accidentally and have spoken. This feels so much more true than what I was learning in this class, in that class. And I'm like, say more, say more. So what I've noticed about even the even those schools or courses or anything that are 
teaching Tantra because they have no other word to use for it, but it's really like sacred sexuality. There's lots of ways that if you haven't done your shadow work around appropriating ancient cultures, you probably haven't done your shadow work around the gender binary, around colonialism, around capitalism. And that seeps into how they hold the container. It really isn't always like the words that are used, but the energy underneath the person holding the teachings, the person holding the staff. And so this whole conversation for me, when I, when we started, I was like harm reduction, learn discernment, finding a guide or a shepherdess in these realms is really important because you are traveling into like a deep, dark cave that's scary and you can like fall down an underground river and die. <laughs> so it's important to just like get your lamp, your headlamp, you know, get, yeah. look at the map. Oh, where am I walking now? And just to like avoid a lot of the pain that can be experienced and please be really discerning. If something doesn't feel good, if something doesn't feel true, then drop it. One of the big ones that doesn't feel true for a lot of people are the gender binary. And I hear around like polarities, the masculine pole and the feminine pole. And I deconstruct this in my school a lot where this is just repackaged gender conscriptions mm. that have been given like sacred words. You know, so sometimes in these, so, for example, in the Tantra speeding, because I did go to it because I was like, oh, no, I'm going to experiment. I'm going to see what this what's happening here. There was this invitation for everyone who was assigned male at birth and conditioned as a man to hold up the, quote, masculine pole, whatever the fuck that means. <laughs> the women to or those who were assigned female at birth conditioned as women to hold the feminine pole, whatever the fuck that means. What it was doing was perpetuating this narrative of like, man, strong, I hold things. And <laughs> female, fluid, I flow into things. And was, I was like, what is going on here? This is just oppression repackaged. And it's not allowing for everyone to show up as their authentic self. So what I see in the quote Tantra community is that there is a right way and a wrong way. There is a higher order sexual expression and a lower order sexual expression. There is a high frequency, high vibe sex, low vibe sex. And I'm here to say there is full circle, nothing wrong with your authentic erotic expression, period. Ooh, yes. Yes. So, so you touched on something there also that has come up for me and we don't have to go too deep into it, but I have definitely seen in the spiritual world very often, I have seen this sort of destructive definition of the divine feminine and the divine masculine. And this, this thing, you especially see this with like, in the relationship and sexual realms of the spiritual world where it's like the divine feminine is all about receiving and the divine masculine is about protection 
and action. And there's this like perpetuation of patriarchy that I'm, I'm like, what? It's not, I don't think this is actually supposed to apply to genders in the body. These are just like energies that exist in everything, right? Yep. <laughs> like spoiler, yes. Let's go back to the tree because God, the tree is just one of the greatest teachers. <laughs> yes. Is the tree any more masculine when it blooms versus when it receives the water from the roots or any more feminine? I mean, gender is such a construct. This whole like, and masculine and feminine energies are very, that, that languaging is confusing because the collective has not unlearned gender right has not done work as gender as a construct so when they even if those masculine and feminine terminology translates to receiving and doing because we haven't deconstructed gender we then impose those energetics onto gendered identities false it's just one big false movement the tree is just as receptive as I shape, whatever, as it is activating. Period. Yeah. Period. Yes. Right. Yeah, that's that's something that um it always gives me the ickies when I see these, I see posts about make sure that your divine masculine partner gets to gets to live his divine masculine by taking charge and protecting the relationship. And it's like, Oh, <laughs> please. No, that's not. Oh. I'm ready for polarity to not be a thing anymore in the, because it, it comes up in sex intimacy and relating coaches Instagram posts all, all the time. That probably could have been another one that we, that we really like dive into. Yeah. It comes up a lot, that narrative of polarity. And in all of my work with particularly humans who have been assigned male at birth, conditioned as men, they are so thirsty to be in a surrendered state. And what the entire framework of polarity does is robs them from their opportunity to use sexuality, intimacy, relating as the place where they can play in safety of surrender. Mm -hmm. They are never allowed to be in full surrender out in the world, right? They always got to have it together. They always have to know what's next. They always have to uphold all of these things. And right. so when I, it was interesting after that tantric speed dating experience I had, that event actually flowed into a temple night. So a group play party. And I offered into the space ANR, which is adult nursing relationship. Mm -hmm. So where someone is able to be in my lap, latch onto my breast and just be held in this soft receiving space I want to tell you, I should have had a sign-up sheet because that's how many humans with penises assigned male at birth that were told to uphold the masculine pole in that event wanted to just be held. Wow. Mm. Mm. 
That makes total sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. Oh, there's so much to talk about here. (laughs) I feel, I do feel like maybe that would be a whole nother episode because there's, (laughs) there's a, there's a lot there. Okay. I feel like, I feel like we're pretty complete with this topic. How do you feel? I feel like we went to the edges. We went to the edges of culture and society through this chat. And I want, I'm feeling grateful for having you walk there with me. And I am definitely ready for some like tea and snuggle time to come back. (laughs) Yes. And be like, okay, we just did that. We just had this conversation. Yes. Thank I also feel really grateful. I mean, this, <laughs> this has been really powerful. Every single piece of this, I think is going to be eye-opening for my listeners. So uh, thank you so much. If anyone listening would like to connect with you, work with you, what is the best way for them to do that? Mm, thank you for the invitation. I really appreciate it. Do not take it lightly. Um, so I have a group program that runs four times a year on the seasonal turn of the wheel. This episode will be dropping in September. So the next cohort of that program will be the fall equinox and then winter solstice, spring equinox, etc. So when you feel like it's your time to deepen and bloom into this work, I will be here on the seasonal turn of the wheel. We explore multiple different terrains of erotic expression, erotic alchemy, erotic truth, and we destigmatize so many different expressions of eroticism so that your authentic truth is fully welcome here. Mm. These six different terrains anchor us into truths that we need to remember. So if you were listening to this podcast and you just felt, I knew that deep down and you just put words to something that I didn't have words to. And now I remember this, like, okay, we remember things in each of these terrains And then we learn how to tend to those remembrances so that we are cultivated and fortified. And then we integrate because it's one thing to have these knowings on the inside. It's a very different thing to bring them to your sexual experiences, to actually bring them into the 3D world. In a group container, it can be edgy, I understand. And I want to just reframe that and say, when sacred witnessing of your authentic truth really happens by other people also stepping into their authentic truths, any shame that lives inside of you really gets loved out of you. (laughs) So part of this work is moving from a place of self-loathing into self-love And that happens at kind of like breakneck speed when you do it in containers like this. More information will be on my website, which will be linked in the show notes. Yes, definitely. I am so appreciative of the opportunity to have this conversation with your audience. Oh, 
Thank you so much for coming on Priestess Francesca. It was wonderful having you here again. And to everyone listening, head down to the show notes. There will be the information to connect with Francesca. And thank you so much for listening. I will catch everyone next time.